Who was here last week? You may remember this. Um, who was not here last week? So I can recap. Raise your hand if you were not here last week. This is not familiar to you. Okay, cool. So glad you're here. Second week of Fuse. Man, it's so good to have the band back, right? So good. Okay. So we started this series called How Does God Speak to Us? And it's specifically uh, kind of addressing some of these questions. You know, not only, you know, like how, how does God speak to us specifically just like that, but this idea of, you know, does he still speak and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, do, how can I hear his voice? It seems like other people are hearing his voice, um, but I can't. And so as um, adults in the room, I'm sure we could all share that, um, first of all, we struggle sometimes with understanding <clears throat> or discerning God's voice. And for sure, as teenagers, we did not know how to do that. It's, it's kind of a learning process of praying and trying to listen. And you're like, well, he doesn't speak audibly like in this loud, booming voice. Uh, so I, I don't exactly know how to hear him. So this, this series is all about helping you not just learn how to pray, like how to say words to God, but how to kind of listen for God's response. And what we said last week was that um, there's, these, there's these three kind of um, uh, themes that we w- wanted to hear um, God's voice through, the influence of others. So the people that you're around, uh, that may, might be a pastor, it might be a teacher, it might be a parent, it might be a small group leader. The life situations, we can sometimes hear God's voice and kind of feel him directing us through the things that we're going through. Um, and it may be that he's calling you to do something for his kingdom as a response to what's happening in the world. I really, truly think that that's what God is doing a lot of the times. Uh, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, that's a lot more solid um, than just, you know, the influence of others or life situations. The Holy Spirit will never lie to you, but also sometimes we uh, maybe misinterpret the Holy Spirit's voice. And so what we said is we've got this other frame that um, is going to go right on top. Now, that's not to diminish, like, say, the Holy Spirit's voice or something like that, but we've got this this frame, uh, this, you know, way of hearing God's voice, which is the word of God, and, and essentially, we want you to, I'm like blinding all of you right now, aren't I? <laughs> You're like, yes, yeah, I can't pay attention. So anyway, um, this is our, like, primary way. If I can just say it that way, okay? Maybe theologically you're like, well, if God is speaking to me through the Holy Spirit, here's the deal. You can read God's word and see it, like, in black and white. And you're just like, well, when God says don't kill people, then that just means don't kill people. Some people might say, well, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me. Nope, don't, no, no, no. Don't try to say, like, it's okay to kill people because, like, God told you it was okay. Or maybe a more specific way of saying that is, um, God told me that I'm supposed to date this person. And we're all, all of, um, all of the people around you are saying, not a good idea. And you're like, well, God told me. And let me tell you, lots of relationships have been started, uh, especially maybe on college campuses, uh, accompanying like an acoustic guitar. Um, like a guy with an acoustic guitar at a college campus is like, that's gold right there. I could not play the acoustic guitar, so I was writing solely on my uh, <laughs> we're all, okay, we're not going to go there. So anyway, we're going to hear God's voice through the written word of God. And this is like solid. And what we want to say is, this is how you're going to interpret these other ways of seeing, okay? So it's not to diminish the influence of others or, or the life situations or, or what the Spirit is, is telling you. But we want you to see kind of the events in front of you. And we want you to interpret them through the lens of the word of God. Like, what is God telling me? in black and white letters in the Bible, right, through 
the influence of other people? The life situations, like does it line up with scripture, what these people are telling me to do, what I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to do? The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that is anti or contradictory to what's in scripture, okay? If it's in scripture, that is the, the word of God kind of proclaiming the will of God to you, okay? So that's kind of what we said last week. Now, if I can just kind of pop out and, and, and go back to a story that I told you, um, we, uh, I'm wearing my Liberty uh, hoodie because uh, last week I talked about how I met Christy while I was at Liberty University um, as a much younger uh, a human being. And so we met in 2001. In the fall of 2001, we started dating uh, like early, early 2003, uh, like January 2003. We got married in 2006. And all that really started because one day I was in youth group. And my youth pastor said, have you considered Liberty University? And I was like, where's that? And he goes, Virginia. And I'm like, Virginia? Where is that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it was a nine-hour drive from my house, though. Like, all of my friends were going to go to state schools in Indiana. I was from Indiana. That's where my folks are from. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll check. Why? Why would I go Why would I go to Liberty? And he taught me more about it, and he showed me. And then me and my dad visited. And then when I visited... I, I can tell you, so I, I visited on spring break, and there was no one there. It's not a very fun time to visit a college campus, because it's a ghost town. And what I can tell you is, is that I was going around, and there was a tour guide kind of walking us through and showing us everything. There's nothing really exciting. There's not people there. There's not whatever. You know, you can't see what's happening. But I felt like, <clears throat> life situations, leading of the Holy Spirit, I felt like God was saying, this is it. This is it. I mean, I could even tell you stories of like how I felt like I was called into ministry. I felt like that was a big Holy Spirit moment for me. And then you know what I did? I went, I talked to all these people. I talked to my parents. I talked to my youth pastor. I talked to my friends. And they all agreed. And then I like consulted the word of God, obviously. So the word of God is like that frame that we want to see everything through. But then also like you just, you, the choices you're making right now, if I can just back up to the college decision right now. So many of you are not thinking about college at all. Does, anybody, does, does anyone in middle school know where they want to go to school? And is it related to where your parents went to school or your favorite college football team? No? You're like, I would like the uh, culinary degree at Texas A&M, and it's because they know how to, like, tell me why you want to go to college. Middle schoolers only. Where do you want to, where? You don't want to tell us. Is it clown school? It's clown school, isn't it? Okay. UCLA. I would hate to be clown school. Okay, we don't need, no, we don't need commentary on clown school, uh, actually. Surprisingly, we don't need commentary. UCLA. We all want to go to California for school. What? What else? Okay, drumline. Okay, yeah. Say that again. Where? Clemson. Clemson. Interesting. Okay, cool. I was trying to make a joke in my head about their football team, but I didn't come up with anything. But we're all laughing anyway. You want to live in L.A.? So, well, UCLA. You should go visit and see what it's like to uh, be in traffic in L.A. and then make your decision. I promise you, you may reinvestigate. Okay, so let me, so those are, shh, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
I, I, we can't do this all night, so let's bring it back down. I want to bring up a friend of mine, um, Chris Lede. Will you come up and talk with me for just a second? Um, I've got this mic right here. Uh, come on up. Come on up. Okay, Chris, um, Chris shared with me after last week uh, when I shared kind of how I met Christy and how our relationship started. You're like, it's crazy. I had kind of a similar kind of like a, like, what is God doing, you okay. know, when you met? Go ahead. So I think we're like talking about bits and pieces of it all around here, uh, just picking where you want to go to college. So I had I had a plan when I finished high school. I wanted to go be an engineer, be an aerospace engineer, actually. So I knew I had to go to a, a good school to do that. So I was all set to go to Texas A&M. Like I had full scholarship. I had It was like a month before school started. They had an, a dorm assigned to me, a roommate, all this sort of stuff. Like I was in. Right. And then... Um, Guess about a month before school started, I get a phone call on my cell phone, which at the time is not like an iPhone, it's like a Nokia. You know? right. Was there a bag on it? Was uh, there a no, bag phone? It was phone? a little bit okay. past that. All right. yeah. This was during a time when you actually answered calls on your cell phone, so I, I picked <laughs> yeah. it up. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and, and it was the department head from one of the colleges of engineering at the University of Louisiana, which was the school that was in my hometown. And I hadn't even really considered going there that much. Um, and so he just kind of asked me, like, you know, what are your plans? What are you doing? And I talked to him for a few minutes. And he proceeds to tell me that, you know, he, uh, he's kind of taken the mechanical engineering department at UL and made it to where it's a little bit like aerospace. And he proceeds to tell me, oh, yeah, I, I worked for NASA for 20 years before I came to teach. So I was like, ooh, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. And so after that phone call, I, like, I just knew that was what I needed to do. It wasn't like... I, I don't remember praying about it. I don't remember, like, making any sort of, like, informed decision. It was more just, so like, So we're kind of skipping past all this. Got it. All yeah. right. Yes, that's fine. I mean, I was, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I was a teenager, right? Like, no, that's, I know. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the, that's I, the topic. I didn't know what that's I was That's why doing. we're teaching you this. But, anyway. but I just had a feeling in my heart, like, that is exactly what I needed to do. So I changed with a month before school and went to UL instead of Texas A&M. And I think where that continues on from there is, so... Uh, first day of school, I'm going to a, like a freshman level biology class, and it's this giant 300 person auditorium. So like, you're not really going to know anybody in there. Mm -mm. And I sit next to this girl, and come to find out, she had actually a very similar story to me. She had plans to go to another school, and then changed to go to UL right at the last minute. So here we are, two people who don't know each other, right. and neither one of us are really supposed to be in that room. And there we were. And you guys know who she is because she's sitting right back there. Isn't that crazy? Here we are, like 20 years later. It's like a rom-com happening right in front of us. Yeah. Wow. So. I did not have an acoustic guitar, though. And, but here we <laughs> are. Apparently, you yeah. don't need one. I always thought, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to me if I don't know how to play guitar. I did. That's a good point. I got one a year later. And was, he knows how to play multiple songs on the electric guitar. That's right. I, I do. Discovered. So, okay. Okay. So. How long, just now, because just I'm curious, um, how long, you, you guys were talking, how long before you started dating? Mm, a month? Holy months, moly, you work fast. Two it took me a year and a half to get that one even considerate. Two months. Two months. Yes, that's Over right. AIM? AIM? So AIM is that's like texting AOL on a computer that it takes like seven minutes to send a message. That's right. I was that cool. <laughs> you asked her, were you like shaking at the keyboard? Like... Probably, yeah. Do you want to go eat food? <laughs> yeah, awkward. How many of you have asked someone out over text message? Mm. 
How many of you have broken up with someone over text message? That's the real sin. Ouch. That's the real sin. Okay. He's cackling over there. All right. Okay, well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing that. That's amazing. Give Chris a hand and Catherine. So here's the deal. It's, it's funny. Like, I did not plan to make this all about relationships, which is, which is ironic because we're actually um, in two weeks going to start a series uh, where we're going to talk about um, relationships. Um, and I don't mean like friendships. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, let me just go ahead and tell you. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now. In two weeks, we're going to do a series in here that's going to make most of you uh, blush, okay? It's going to make, it's going to make it awkward. I don't, EJ, do you blush? Do you get embarrassed ever? You're good. You're good. All right. So interesting. So, so here's the deal. Let's bring it back in. Let's bring it back in. My focus, shh, my focus for this series is not just to talk about like, you better make the right decision. Hey guys, chill. Front row, front row, front row. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the goal of this series is not just to talk about like, make the right decision so you can marry the right person, right? The goal of this series is to talk about all the decisions in your life that really require God's intervention. So this is, this is something as simple as where you're going to go to college. It's something as simple as what you want to do in life. It's something as simple as the friends that you have. We've talked about that, right? We've talked about, like, it matters, the friends that you have, because uh, what have we said? Who, who, who can quote uh, that quote for me? Does anybody remember the five people rule? Does anybody remember? Hmm? This is where you say it. Not that, not that rule. Go ahead, Brandon. Uh, you're the sum of your five friends. Yes. You're like the average. You pull all your five friends to get your five closest friends, and you're kind of like the average of, of their behavior. So if they make foolish decisions, I can tell you your future, right? You're going to end up making foolish decisions. Hey, Kyle, can we chill over there, Grayson? Thank you. Um, so, so here's, here's what we want to do tonight. Uh, we want to talk about a guy named Elijah in scripture. It's in first Kings chapter 19. Uh, the verses are going to be on the screen for you in just a moment. Um, but his story actually starts before first Kings 19 is he's this really incredible character that we have, um, kind of like an, a really abrupt introduction to. He's really bold. He's full of faith, but he also has like really high highs and really low lows. Can anyone like, like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I feel like the high highs and the low lows. Um, so he's been writing um, some really high highs right before we meet him in chapter 19. So the first thing that we see is that um, he's existing in this part of history where there's this King Ahab, and, and what the scripture says about King Ahab is essentially like he's not only the most evil king uh, that's ever existed or the evil, most evil man, but he's also the king who has provoked God to anger more than anyone else in history. Um, that's what the scripture says. I think it's 1 Kings uh, 16, 17, around there. And uh, he's got this wife, Jezebel, who's kind of like equally um, uh, anti-God. And so the two of them are kind of like this anti-God power couple, Right. And, and so they're making it their mission to uh, create centers of worship for idols, 
Um, and they're like, they are very, they're anti-God. And they're creating problems for Christians. And so Elijah's going to rise up, and he's going to challenge them. So in his history, he's uh, been told about a drought that's going to be happening. Um, he's going to foretell that there's going to be rain at the end of this drought, exactly when it happens. He's going to challenge the king and all the prophets of these uh, idols to this, this duel, okay? And this, is, um, this happens very rarely in Scripture. Um, what I'm about to tell you, I, I, I'm not saying you should go repeat this, okay? So this is kind of like a one-time thing. He's going to challenge the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal, and they're going to say, essentially, like, you have your altar over there. You build it and, and stack it up with, with the sacrifice. I'm going to have my altar over here, and we're going to call on our gods, and the first one, or the only one, really, to catch on fire is going to, like, win this battle, okay? And so, um, again, don't go do something like in school. You're like, listen, I'm going to say that God's going to do something, and then he's going to do it, and then you're going to all believe in God. Like, we don't put God to the test, okay? This is a very rare moment. So the prophets of Baal try, and they try, and they try, and he can't, they can't get it. To, it's just sitting there, right? Lightning's striking. Fire's not coming down or anything. And then Elijah gets real bold, and he starts making fun of them. In fact, it says in... Um, Let's see, in, <laughs> in chapter 18, he's going to say, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Uh, either he is musing or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. Um, Elijah is like talking some trash right now. He's like, maybe your God is on the toilet and busy right now. That's what he said. I don't know. It seems like your God is occupado right now. Like, this is not working for you. And so what happens is, is they pour, um, they douse uh, uh, Elijah's altar with water three different times so there's just water overflowing around it. And then he calls on, on God to do it. He lights it on fire, consumes the offering. And then, listen, and I don't know how to explain this to you. We don't have time for this. We can later if you want. He slaughters all the prophets of Baal murders them. Okay? We'll talk about that later. Okay? So, shh, shh, shh. So, so that happened. That's first king. The Bible's boring. No, it's not. <laughs> first, first Kings chapter 18 tells that story. Now, all of that happens, and then word gets back to Jezebel that this man has just killed all these different prophets that are like her, her, her prophets, her people. And she's really like fiery mad. And so she's going to send word um, that, that you know, her and Ahab are going to be uh, very upset. Now, now, the last verse in chapter 18 is going to say this before I read chapter 19 with, with you. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of, of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He's just experienced this huge win. He's on, he's on kind of a mountaintop experience, but he's also about to be chased down uh, with murderous threats. So we're going to pick it up, verse on the screen. Um, verse, verse, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 real quick. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What did she just say? I know that's like Old, like Old Testament language. 
It's a death threat, exactly. I'm going to do to you what you did to the prophets of Baal by this time tomorrow. Or if I don't make that happen, may the, may the gods do that to me also. She's saying, if I don't have you murdered, may the gods kill me. Like she's like focused, right? If I don't kill you, may the gods, may the gods kill me. Then he was afraid. Of course, right? You'd be afraid too. But let me just pause there for a second. Would you? Would you be afraid? And this is not a right or wrong answer here. You could say, no, I would not be afraid. Look at all that stuff, all those miracles. Elijah's story is chock full of miracles. There's a point where he was fed miraculously by a brook that had dried up. There's a place where he got to raise uh, someone from the dead. There's a point where he gets to, like, <laughs> like, go against the prophets of Baal. And, like, there's, like, win, 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 win. And he's afraid when he gets this death threat from the queen. So you might say, like, no, he shouldn't be afraid. Like, he's experienced all these wins. Or some of you are like, well, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that everything goes well for you because there are people who had bad stuff happen to them in Scripture um, in spite of being a Christian or maybe even because of being a Christian. Go to the New Testament. There's all kinds of people that experienced bad things because they were a professing Christian. So, so maybe you're like, ah, it seems like he should be afraid. Maybe it seems like he should not be afraid. So he was afraid. He rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life for I am no better than my father's. This guy is going to write like an emo suicide note because he's afraid of this queen. Does it seem at least, okay, so let me ask, just, just kind of by show of hands, he should be afraid, raise, raising your hand because of the death threat. There's no right or wrong answer, okay? Who says he should not be afraid? Yeah. If you notice, that was pretty evenly divided. So he's going to have this moment where he's, he's afraid and he's wanting to just give up. Now, here's my question that I want to ask you. Have you ever been so scared, anxious, or depressed that you started to say outlandish stuff like this? God, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just kind of in your own heart, like, this message and this passage right now is going to help someone in this room who is like going through difficult circumstances and is just kind of like, how can it get any better? And if you as a teenager are saying those things, what we want to tell you as adults is we've been through hard stuff. We're not done going through hard stuff. And in the middle of all of it, God is still faithful, right? Great is your faithfulness. Do you know why the adults are all raising our hands when we're singing that song? Yeah, yeah. Do you, can, let me translate that giggle for you. It's because adults have gone through some really difficult stuff. Some of us are walking through some really difficult stuff, okay? Really difficult. And you know what? We're singing those, those words mean something to us. Great is your faithfulness. Right? It's straight out of Scripture, by the way. We're just singing uh, Scripture. But we're also not perfect. 
don't hear me say, like, we've been through some hard stuff. I'm not saying, like, hey, we're OGs and you don't question us because we got this thing on lockdown. No, 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 no. Catch us on the wrong day and we are tripping. Like, we are in, not in a good place, right? We are scared, anxious, and depressed. Like Elijah. Elijah, win, 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 win. It's almost like, anyone watched the college football championship the other night? Georgia beat Bama. That seemed like a, not like a David and Goliath exactly, but it seemed like Bama, I thought Bama was going to win. Okay, it's just my thoughts, right? You can debate me later if you want. But Georgia ended up really like playing a really great game. And for me, I'm watching Alabama. I'm watching like, okay, so Nick Saban is like the best college coach of all time. And uh, Georgia, I'm sorry, you're just not going to win this game. And uh, I'm like, win, win, win. Do you think maybe some of those Alabama players went in there afraid? Yeah. You know why? Because Georgia's good too. Like the, uh, your opponent's good too. And you, like you're thinking like, I'm going to go up against some stuff in life. And sometimes I know that God says he's with me, but I'm still afraid. I'm still nervous. So you may be this person. And Elijah was this person. So verses five to eight, we'll, we'll keep going and see kind of what God does because God is going to show up in his life and what the adults in the room want you to know and why we're thankful as we sing these songs is because God shows up. He promises that he will be with you when you walk through hard times. If you'll just call out, if you will lean into your relationship with him. Some of you don't have a relationship with him because quite frankly, you don't even believe that God is real. You've never experienced him personally. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a moment where things crash for you, and you're going to want to know that God is real, and he is, and you call out to him, and he's going to show up in your life, and that's exactly what happens. Let's read verse 5. He laid down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat, okay? Anyone had an angel touch them recently, right? No? Like, this is a special moment. This happens very rarely. In scripture, he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. Verses seven and eight, the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Anyone, anyone want to take a, 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 a stab at what's happening here? Uh, yeah, more specifically, though, what is God doing for him? Yeah. What, here's, here's what I see. Go ahead. Yeah. So here's, here's what I see, okay? He's, he's exhausted. He's scared. He's depressed. And God is kind of like nursing him back. He's waking him up to feed him. He's going back to sleep. Angel Lord shows back up, feeds him again. And then, yeah, he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna be on, on a, going on the strength of that for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a, that's a long time. But also, this is a moment where just the two of them, are there any other characters in the story right now? Somewhere out there, there's Jezebel. Somewhere out there, there's Ahab. But in this moment, don't miss this, guys. In this moment, it's just Elijah and God. And I'm thinking about, in the, in, in the New Testament, Jesus says, when, when you pray, you go into your closet and you pray to your God who's in secret and, and your father who's in secret will reward you. And because don't be tempted to go out and be like in public and like, like feel so good about how good of a prayer you are. Like all that stuff is worthless. You go into your closet where it's what you 
and God. And you know what happens in those moments? I'm so passionate about it because the only reason that I'm still here as like a believer in Christ is because he's shown up when it's just me and God. I can't tell you like how good it is to know that the creator of the universe cares so much about you that he would come. And you know what he didn't do? Like, boom, boom, boom. Hey, idiot, there's no reason to be afraid. Come on, let's go. You know, he didn't, no, he was gentle. Like, and this is the angel, but in just a moment, it's gonna be God. Um, now, I want you to hear me clearly. When you are in this moment of like depression or fear or anxiety, um, I want you to hear me so clearly. One of the things that you need to do is focus on your like physical restoration. Some of you need to take a nap. Some of you might nap too much, okay? But those of you who are just like totally exhausted, God himself demonstrated six days of creation and one day of rest. He gives us in the Ten Commandments, you shall keep the Sabbath holy, you shall rest. And that is built in, and you're not gonna know it because you've got like endless, and you've got an overflow of energy right now for your like, your little like middle school and high school bodies. Like, and it's great because you got all that energy. And someday you're going to be 38 and you're going to be like, when can I take a nap? You know, it's just going to be that way. But God made you to need that time, okay? And so maybe what you need is to take a nap if you're exhausted and you're scared and you're anxious. Maybe all you need is just a good meal. A couple weeks ago, uh, maybe two months ago, I, I looked at Christy and I was like, we're both exhausted right now. Like, it was just one night. It was like, it was, we going, 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 and we're exhausted. And I said, I'm going to go buy some really expensive steaks. And we're going to have, like, the best meal we've had in a long time. And then we're going to go to bed early. And it's going to be incredible. And, dude, that night was rejuvenating for me. Now, it wasn't necessarily, like, devotion and all that, but the devotion was coming right the next morning. I got to be honest. I had a good steak that night on the grill. And then we went to bed, and I woke up kind of like, okay. All right, God, what do you have for me? And then you know what happens? Because does the steak feed you, like, spiritually? No. No, we consume God's word. we got to remember. we got to remember. Listen, you can do all the things that you want to do that the world tells you to, like, even out your life and, and not be so anxious and not be so afraid, but, but you've got to remember that consuming God's word is, like, your food. That's your food. That's your spiritual food. Okay, we got to remember that. Let me, let me go ahead uh, and, and push on to verse 9. So he's, he's had this 40 days and 40 nights. So he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's God talking. This is called a theophany. This is like a, a, a supernatural appearance of God. This is God showed up to him. And, and this is like um, not necessarily in physical form. Because remember, Jesus is like, he's a human. Like, he's walking around. He's full, human, he's full man, and he's fully God, but he's walking around in, like, a body like mine. Um, but God is not walking around in a body like mine, right? Like, because he's God. And the Holy Spirit, you don't see. Um, the, the, spirit, uh, the, the Bible describes him like a wind or, or, you know, something like that. But he speaks to us. You never see him. But this is a moment where God just kind of appears, okay? This is God talking to Elijah. This is super rare. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Is that because God wasn't sure what Elijah was doing there? No. No. You know what Elijah did when that question got asked? 
he started thinking about all the stuff that got him to that moment, right? The wins, the losses, the mountaintops and the valleys. There's kind of like a, how are you? What's going on in your heart? And that's one of those moments when you're in your prayer closet and God says, where are you? And you're like, I'm in my prayer closet. I thought you were God. No, no. Does this question sound familiar? Who else got asked this question? Anyone know? Adam, in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, God, right, immediately after Eve and Adam eat the fruit, and they recognize that they're naked, and they're ashamed, and then God says, where are you, Adam? Is that because he didn't know? No. It's because positionally, relationally, and maybe in, in, in a health way, like, there was, there was distance. With Elijah, he was exhausted, and he was afraid, and he was kind of on the, on the recoup. With Adam, he had just committed a pretty major sin. He says, where are you? And when God asks you, where are you, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Why do you think God asked this question? Why was Adam hiding? I don't expect to have answers for all this. Why was Adam hiding? Because he was ashamed. Why did uh, Adam make that decision? It's rooted in pride. It's rooted in sin. How did this relationship with God, how did his relationship with God change? This happened to Elijah. This happened to Adam, and it's going to happen to you. And God's going to say, where are you, Mark? And in that moment, you get to decide to lie to God or to, like, put on a front, or you can just lay it all out. And if I can just suggest, go ahead and lay it all out and just have that conversation with God. Lay it all out. You want to hear God? Don't try to front to God. So, next portion of Scripture, verse uh, 10 through 12. This is where we're going to wrap it up. This is what happens next. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left and they seek my life to take it away. So you're kind of forming your own kind of opinion of what Elijah's doing right now when he's, as he's talking to God. And so God says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. He hears Elijah's response, and he says, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Again, this is probably not going to happen to you, what happens. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, check this out, the sound of a low whisper. Or the, the other translations will say a still, small voice. And that was God's voice talking. In the midst of all that tumultuous, the fire and the wind and the earthquake and all that stuff, in the midst of all of it, there was this still small voice or the sound of a low whisper. I've heard people say this is, this is meant to, to, to make sure that um, you need to be listening, right, to God because you're not going to hear a whisper unless you're like close to God, unless you're actively listening. And whatever you take from this passage, here's what I want you to hear. Elijah pressed into God. Look, was he messed up? Yes. Like, and this chapter is not done. We don't have time to do the whole chapter. But, but here's what I want you to hear. There's a verse in James 4, 8. 
that's just going to say this. This is one of my favorite promises. We have this on our wall at home. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Do you know what I think about that verse? That is a verse that I cling to. Because I know when I feel distant from God, he's just like one prayer away. I go into the prayer closet. I spend time with God in my car. I gather my family around our dinner table and, and, and we pray. Whatever it is, God is just like one prayer away. And so if you're in this moment where you're like Elijah and you're like, hey, it's not okay. It's not okay. I don't know what to do. God, take it. I, I, I want to be done. I want to be done. It may, be, it may mean that you need to press in to your moment of prayer. And Elijah's, um, Elijah's uh, experience is showing us, does God care for Elijah? Is God there right when he needed him? Now, if I can just say this, some of you feel or have felt like God is not there when you need him. And some of you have felt the kind of the distance from a God that you can't see or touch. And I understand that. I understand that. But I need you to understand when the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, I can tell you that's a promise that I cling to and I want you to cling to it too. I want you to remember it. And it's easy to remember. Can you want to repeat it with me? Draw near to God. You know, Say it with me, okay? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is simple. And if you want to remember, you, know, you forget where it is, you can come find me. It's James 4, 8. You can, you, can, you can remember that. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Okay? It's not always perfect. Life is not always perfect. And you know what? It was never promised to be perfect. But we do have this promise that when we're walking through all that tough stuff, that he's going to walk with us, and he's going to restore our strength, Right? He's the food that we need. His, we read his word. You may have simple questions like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go to college. I don't know who I'm supposed to date. Look in scripture for that. You may be like, I'm exhausted, God, and I just need a word. Go to scripture. You may just be like, you know what? I'm kind of close to like just kind of calling it quits. Right? I'm just, I'm tired of school. I've got friendship problems. I don't like what's going on at home. You go to God's word. You go to God's word. Just turn to any of the Proverbs and just start. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew and just start. I'm telling you, God's word is like food for you. And if you will take it seriously, I guarantee you, God will show up in your midst. It's a guarantee. It's his promise. Okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for these promises that you make for us, God. I just ask that you would... Um, Allow these students to take hold, to take hold of these promises. And Lord, I do pray that you show up just as mighty as you always have. And we know you will. It's in your name we pray. Amen.